0: All right. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome back to Story, Symbol, Spirit, a podcast about how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and I'm here with my co-host.
1: I'm Jackie Mitchell.
0: Jackie, how are we doing today? Doing great. Doing all right? Doing amazing. So Jackie and I, uh, we're, we're recording these a little bit in advance, so so this isn't in real time, but but Jackie and I just got back from a missions trip in Cambodia with a big team from our church yeah, from Northview Church in Indiana.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How was that? How'd you like Cambodia? Oh,
1: It was great. Dude, I, I loved it. it. It was so It was such a great organization to work with. The other church we went with, Northview, mm-hmm. great people. Really everything was great. We except for we got pretty sick. Uh, I would we, say.
0: We well, got okay. Sick, or...
1: I, I got sick first and then got a few other team members sick. Like everyone I think was... <laughs> on the trip
0: and the missionaries that are over there. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't get the sick No,
1: that's not true. All right. No, the no. missionaries really are sick. No. Um,
0: yeah. So So we work with an organization called 117 International, Yeah, and uh, they, uh, the the, the organization, the, the purpose of the organization, the mission of the organization is to provide education to kids who would otherwise be left behind, and so they have a school that they operate in Haiti, and then they have a partnership in Cambodia with a school called New Hope. And so I've been to Haiti a couple times with them, and then we just took a team to Cambodia, and we're there at New Hope and we do like a kids camp mm-hmm. for the kids and we do a staff training day. And we're it, you know, it takes like four days to travel there. Yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so you so you go from, from Columbus to Detroit. Yes. Detroit to Korea, which is 14 hours. Yeah. And then you land in Korea and you have a three hour layover. Yeah. And then you get on a plane for another six hour flight to uh to, to Phnom Penh, which the is capital. the capital.
1: And then you're area. not even like where in the country you and need you to get be, on a bus and then you, a, and then and then you then. take a propeller plane and you passed out <laughs> the, on the plane i passed out maybe for a moment <laughs> i am not too do great on planes yeah, so. you, have, you, you have pretty
0: bad flight anxiety
1: i do and i i love to travel so i like don't want to make it stop me from getting on a plane yeah but i i do like Which is admirable You know, thank you. But it is pretty embarrassing, like, how bad my plane anxiety is. And I did, like, forewarn everyone on the trip. Like, I do have plane anxiety, and I still feel like you guys were, like— Oh, we didn't realize it, it was, was more like dramatic this. than I was <laughs> expecting.
0: But good thing you have very supportive people like me there.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I <laughs> seem to remember being made fun of on the plane by a couple coworkers. I won't name names, but
0: like when you literally pass out out of anxiety, and I'm like laughing at you. And I don't
1: you. remember passing out, but I think that maybe indicates that I did possibly pass out. I was if sitting I don't behind remember. you, and
0: your, and your neck went limp. That's <laughs> for sure.
1: That propeller plane. Not good, I would say. That was yeah. my least favorite part of the trip. And just so
0: everybody understands, this was like a corporate airline, and it just had propellers on it. It wasn't like a <laughs> tiny puddle jumper. It wasn't like a tiny plane. It was, it was, was pretty
1: small. It was. I was getting stressed. It was like 45, 50 people <laughs> it was on too it. <laughs> too much. Too much. I didn't like it. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, uh, we took a little bit of break in recording, not in releasing yes. the episode, so so people listening don't know that. But but the last time that we were together, uh, the we we went through all of Genesis one. Yes. And then we talked about the divine Mm council, which kind of sets the stage for the spirit part of the story symbol spirit worldview. Uh, And Genesis one sets the stage for the story part of it and the symbol part, because what God has created, he's created purposely to reveal himself to us. And so everything in creation, including ourselves, including the natural, you know, what you and I would call the natural world, trees, grass, rocks, water, all of this stuff points to something beyond itself. Right. And so we've started the story, we've set the symbolic framework, and we've talked a little bit about the spiritual world that the biblical authors thought that they came from, you know, uh, which you and I as Christians would say that is the true understanding of the world. Yeah, yeah. Much more true than the materialistic way that, that we're kind of taught to understand the world.
1: Yeah, we had right? to set that framework up.
0: Doesn't mean that, that the world is not material, Correct. It just means that the world is not just material, correct? And yes. the, the truth of the world we live in is not encapsulated in a materialistic framework.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, Jackie and I are both sick now because of her, <laughs> and so w- there she might cough. I may. And if I cough, I'm supposed to mark it on the recording so our <laughs> can
1: edit it uh, out. So so our
0: tech <laughs> can edit it out. And so uh, if there's some strange pauses, yeah. that's probably what that it's, is. It's
1: it's me. It's my fault.
0: All right, so uh, what we're going to do this week is we're actually going to release two episodes in one week.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so this is episode 9 and 10. And I want to go through all of Genesis 2, but I think in order to talk about Genesis 2 the way that we should and to focus on the things that we need to focus on, it's going to take more than than an hour. Yeah. So I want to break it down into two reasonable-sized episodes, but I don't want everyone to have to wait a week. Because everything yeah. we talk about in Genesis yeah. two kind of goes together. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: If you get to the end of the first episode, you want to learn more. Just click on the next episode. Just click on the next yeah. episode. Look
0: at us. It's like a this bonus for everybody.
1: Maybe we can release it. We're as not a even, bonus even getting episode.
0: paid. No. Extra for it, or at all,
1: <laughs> or at all. Now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but if anybody out there wants to sponsor us, we are we are looking for some extra. Income, Desperately so. looking,
1: smoothie king perhaps. We got our smoothies again today.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> Just the smoothie that you have in your hands right now is bigger than your. I head. got
1: the large size today. I know a what couple weeks ago I said that I wasn't going to get the large size because I got bullied out of it.
0: It's like seventy-five ounces. Look
1: at that. Thing. It's forty ounces. It's so dramatic. We're trying. Like we, totally have, fine. we have
0: cameras here, trying to film for, for <laughs> you clips. You like can't and see they, me. They're being completely covered by the size of your smoothie.
1: <laughs> Anyways, if Smoothie King wants to pick us up. All right, Smoothie King,
0: call me. Call <laughs> me.
1: All
0: right. So, so, so Genesis uh, chapter two. Now. The strange thing about Genesis one and two being back to back, yeah, is that they're they're kind of two separate creation stories. Yeah. So in your experience, Jackie, does that does that like freak you out? Is that weird to you?
1: It's not weird. When you read it as I will say though, if as you read it as like a student or like growing up, you kind of like when you get to Genesis two, the tendency is to be like, all right, well, I'll skip this. Yeah. I feel like I just read this. Right. So there must be some reason why it's recorded twice. We've talked about this before. Like everything was written in the Bible for a reason. Mm-hmm. Not only just because it was divinely inspired, but also because, like, at the time of writing, like you couldn't just type something up on Microsoft Word. Like right. this was very intentional. Every word was intentional. So yeah, I, I think I think for a lot of Christians, it's easy to say, okay, I get what Genesis one said. So I don't really have to dive deep into Genesis 2.
0: Right. Yeah, these are these are old stories. Yeah. These, these are really old stories. And so even if you move up in time to the time of the New Testament, um, the amount of money that it took to get somebody who was literate to write.
1: Right, because not everybody was even— Hardly
0: anybody was literate. Yeah. Right. And so you have to find somebody who could do it, and then you had to get the materials to do it. So this is like the, the first century, second century— mm-hmm before, you know, really before the printing press, the writing on papyrus leaves and, and things like this, uh, they think that in, like, modern-day dollars, like, for example, the 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 Gospels, to write them and to produce mm-hmm. them would cost the equivalent of today of $5,000. Wow. And so something like Acts, Luke Acts, which is a single work, yeah. it's probably $10,000. And so that's why uh, Luke thanks his sponsor at the beginning yeah. of the, of, of the uh, Acts, he says, to the wonderful Theophilus, you know, yeah. because Theophilus is the one who who funded that venture. Yeah. You know, these these people, I mean, you can't just write this stuff down the way that you and I can today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like you said, that means that everything that we talk about and everything we read is pregnant with meaning mm-hmm. in a way that modern stories and modern novels and modern writing is not. Right. So you and I... Uh, talk about things in some kind of like logical progression narrative. That's the way stories are written. Mm-hmm. And if people like it and they want more, we, we just write another book. Yeah. Or if things are unclear, we just address that in the next book, mm-hmm. right? But that's not that's not the way that this stuff that we're reading happened. Right. So everything that they want to tell us about what God has inspired to give us about his world and himself, it has to be encapsulated in these these types of stories so yeah genesis 2 is I, I don't even remember how many verses like 30 verses or something and in those 30 verses there is so much richness and depth right that's why it's going to take us so long to go through it mm-hmm. and we're probably you know still only scratching the the surface of all of the meaning of the word of god that he put into this right we right. could
1: go word by word and we're not right so yes
0: yes which that, that's probably our next project. Probably after, once we finish. Once we 10 years it takes us to go through the whole Bible. Just go back and
1: do word for word.
0: Yeah, so uh, one thing that we're tempted to do that I'm going to advise against is we're tempted to look at Genesis 1 and 2 and try to cram Genesis 2 into Genesis 1 somehow. Yeah. So, so people have theories about, you know— um, is, is Genesis 2 describing like the sixth day of creation because it's talking about humans, and in Genesis 1, the sixth day of creation was humans, or is it like the fourth day because of the, like when you, when you look at some of the sequencing? Mm-hmm. Like, and I actually think that's probably the, the, the wrong way to, 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 to look at it. I think that we have to read them both separately and understand what both of them are trying to tell us. This is the foundational story yeah. of the world and who we are. And so God has graciously given us two accounts. Um, and this is what he wanted to give us. You know, the first Genesis 1 I would describe as like a cosmic perspective mm-hmm. that shows the diversity of creation. So there's water, there's land, there's animals, there's humans. All of that comes together. And he wants us to understand that. He wants us to understand the vastness of the, the created world, of, of, of the cosmos, but then Genesis 2 is what, what seems to me like a zoomed-in version of creation. Yeah. So there's detail in Genesis 2 about humanity, about identity, about sex and gender, about marriage, uh, all these other things. that They're not really detailed in Genesis 1. Right. You know, we spent an entire episode talking about uh, a phrase that was used when it was talking about the yeah. creation of humans. But all that it says is that God said, let's make humans in our image and our likeness. And then he did and that's kind of what genesis 1 says about us genesis 2 says a lot more about us and about what kind of world we live in and and what it means to be human and so we have to we have to dive into that and look at the detail of that the relationship between god and man that is not exactly disclosed in genesis 1.
1: yeah and there's god's grace for doing that because i think if it was just genesis 1 we would ask those questions that a lot of which genesis 2 answers exactly
0: And when we get to Genesis 3, which is the fall, which is another, you know, paradigmatic story uh, in the Bible, that's only going to make sense in light of both Genesis 1 and 2.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. Uh, Some of the stuff in Genesis 3 comes at us fast, even with Genesis 2, but it's definitely a continuation of Genesis 2. Yeah. If you went straight to Genesis 3, the fall from Genesis 1, we would be very confused. Right. And so, again, grace of God. God is a master communicator. And so these two creation stories, these two different perspectives, this is what he wants us to have. Mm -hmm. This is how he wants us to begin to understand ourselves and him in this world. Um, And I think that that when you look at it in that both and aspect, you can start to put together a layered rich mosaic of this world and our humanity and God. So... Any questions before we we get started in uh, Genesis two verse four?
1: Yeah, let's recap why we covered Genesis two one through three in the previous episode. Just yeah. to recap, because we had a we did Genesis mm-hmm. one, but then we did the divine council episode. So we're starting in verse four because
0: yeah, because uh, the chapter breaks came later. Yeah, right. So so that's the the, the chapters and the verses is something that the scribal tradition uh, ha- has put in there yeah. to help us reference and to help us organize and help us see. But, um, you know, the little numbers that you see next to everything. Yeah,
1: people weren't uh, writing those in as no, they wrote down No, that wasn't in the original manuscript, right? right? So, right, so right, these right. were
0: just big, long scrolls or, right. or you know, sequences of, of leaves of papyrus or whatever. Um, and so for some reason, Genesis 1 that story leaks into Genesis 2, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, the last verse in Genesis 1 says, and God saw all that, that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Mm-hmm. And then you, you you move on to Genesis 2, but yeah. it's the same story for, for three verses.
1: Yeah, it feels like the conclusion of Genesis 1. Right. So right. we started there. So now we're starting in verse 4.
0: And so now we start in verse 4 because this is really the beginning of the second account.
1: Right, and if you're looking at, again— the, the headers for sections that, again, were were put in after, these were not headers that were right. written into the original you know manuscripts, but um, this is a new header, this is a new section It says Adam and Eve. So very clearly, yeah. this is a separate, like, here's our next chapter, here's our next story.
0: There you go. So why don't we go ahead and start? Sweet. Starting in verse 4.
1: Starting in verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being.
0: All right. So the story immediately goes and focuses on the creation of man, Yeah. right? Of, of the creation of, of humankind. And so, you know, right away, even in terms of why man is created, there's this task that's yeah. attached to the creation of man, right? Yeah. Um. And, and so, the, <laughs> have you ever heard the the phrase where they say you're not a human doing, you're a human being? being? Yeah. Uh. That's like that. It's true in the sense of like value, right? Because people yeah. say that because they don't want you to think that that what you do is defines your your worth. Yeah you in and of yourself as an image of God are valuable and, right. and, and you have lots of, you know, uh, an, an indescribable amount of worth and beauty and goodness in and of yourself. But that phrase is not exactly true because um, something, you know, you know <laughs> we do things. Like to be a human is to live and to act yeah. and to move and, and, and to be is to do. yeah Right, so, so, you know, technically speaking, even if you're just sitting there,
1: you're doing something. You're doing something. Right, right. Your
0: mind is working. Right. You're breathing. Right. You're thinking about what, what you're going to do next. Right. Uh, and so uh, to, to, to be a human means to do something. And here, you know, literally, it, it's to work the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the reason that things aren't growing yet is because there's no human there to have dominion. Right. And to cultivate right And so uh, within the image of God context that we talked about in Genesis 1, like we're supposed to have dominion over God's world and we're supposed to cultivate the ground and we're supposed to take what's already good and make it really good, which is how we ended Genesis 1, right? That's Genesis Mm -hmm. 131. And so to be a a human is to have holy and sacred transformative powers in you. And when you touch the world that you inhabit, the world changes. Mm. You know, most people... You'll notice this if you take time to, to reflect on, on your life. Um, you come in contact with things, they don't remain the same. You come into a relationship with somebody, and they are not the same as they were before. And you are not the same as you were before. And you have to ask the question, why is that? And the answer that the Bible gives is because that's who you are. You were created to be a being that takes God's very good world and make it even better. And you've been given th- this glorious gift of creation. And you're supposed to take it from glory to further glory, which means that, that he's given us the power to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we put our hands on the world. Uh, in this story, you put your hands on the garden, on the soil, and you take it from what is already good to something that that that's even better. Mm. Yeah. And so that's what it means to be a human being. Every single person has the same call, which is to take God's world and with the powers and the gifts and the abilities that he's given you to take it uh, from something that's glorious to something that's even more glorious.
1: And that's beautiful.
0: It is beautiful. There's, From a Christian perspective, there's never a reason for you to think that, that your life has no meaning or purpose. Right. Every life has this meaning or purpose. Absolutely. This incredibly holy yeah. and sacred meaning and purpose. And so uh god takes the dirt and he and he forms it into a man and then he breathes it to life and so this verse also talks about the physical makeup of man yeah that we're dirt and breath yeah and i always say that the bible's way more literal than what you and i the way that you and i think about the world right so we tend to think the bible's not literal and because it's symbolic it's not but like we're we're literally made of the same carbon-based material that the world is made out yeah, of.
1: Yeah, we're our organic founder.
0: And so, until the resurrection, you die, you get put into the ground, and your physical being dissolves into the ground. Right. Because you're the same material. You are that dirt. Right. Right, which which we'll talk about when we when we get to to the fall and we and we start to talk about we start to talk about death. But here, God forms man like a potter forms clay. Mm and then breathes him to life and so there's a there's a a couple of of cool things here the first one is the word play in hebrew okay so what is man's name
1: adam right adam adam
0: adam which means man Hmm. um dirt is adama in hebrew and if and and uh there's there's water coming up into the dirt Right? Mm-hmm. And so the dust gets formed into clay by the water. And the water in Hebrew, you pronounce it ed, but it's the same letters that you and I would transliterate as ad, mm-hmm. ad. So, water here is the Hebrew word, the letters are uh, um, aleph, dalit. Mm-hmm. So, it's ad plus adamah equals adam.
1: Interesting. Right? Yeah.
0: So again, this is what we mean when we say there's a lot packed into the, to the, to the words and to the language. Um, and secondly, uh, humans are to be those beings that stand between God and, and the world and mm-hmm. they mediate God to creation. And so that's a priestly task. Mm-hmm. That's what priests do. Priests mediate God to the, to their surroundings. And so humans are called to do that because we've been created perfectly for that calling because we are dirt, earth, earth. Yes. And we are divine, the breath of God. Right. So we stand in that in between, and we take the glory of God into us, and we shine it out into the world, and then we take the glory of what's in the world back into us, and we give it back yeah. to God in in worship. Yeah. And so we're like the middle of that circuit. Mm-hmm. We're the conduit for for the glory of God to go through, and then for for worship to go back to Him. And the reason that we are is because that's what we are. Yeah. We're of the earth, dirt plus the the, the breath of God. And so um, man is created like this and, and for this purpose. We're supposed to mediate God to the world by putting our hands onto the world and, and uh, in the name of God, we take it from, from yeah. glory to glory.
1: This is not the way he creates anything else in the story so far. Right. It's the first time he breathes into something, correct?
0: That's true. Yeah. And so do you remember uh, we said in Genesis 1 to be an image, that word image? is the Hebrew word selim. Mm. And that that word is what's used to call everything idols from that point forward. So when the Bible says you shall not not worship idols, it's the same word that he calls us. So the reason we're not supposed to worship idols is because we are
1: The images, the idols, yeah.
0: An idol is a representation of God. And ancient people were not stupid. So they didn't think that that wooden statue was God. They thought that god inhabited that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that god needed something physical to inhabit and so they would build these things they would put them in the temple and then the glory of god the presence of god would would inhabit that thing that statue and then they would worship that statue or they would they would sacrifice to that statue right right. they would interact with that statue because god is in it Mm -hmm. so the bible takes this ancient practice of of idol worship and it flips it on its head. It says that you and I are those images.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we're not supposed to make images of God because that's what we are. Right. We're not supposed to make other selims and call it God because you and I are, are those images. And in the ancient world, they would, make, they would build a temple. And then they would have this ceremony called the, the opening of the nostrils. Mm. So the idol would be made. And then... They'd have a ceremony. The nostrils are open, and the presence of God would go into that statue. Mm. So think about what this is saying. Yeah, this is the the opening of the nostrils of the image of God. It's us. Yeah, God forms us instead of us forming idols, and then instead of us waiting for the presence of God to inhabit it, He breathes His presence into us. And so it's like an ancient, you know, juxtaposition of idol worship versus. Yahweh worship yeah right that the presence of God is in us as living breathing images idols representations mm. of him um, and so you know you' you're you're this is just like a artistic depiction of what we talked about in, in Genesis 1 it's no contradiction here um, this is taking the way that the ancient world used to worship God and flipping it on its head yeah that we, are the manifest presence of God in the world. Yeah. The the presence of God comes into us and comes out of us. That's how he wants to 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 rule this world and mm. that's what he wants this world to be like. And so God opens the nostrils of his images and breathes his presence into them. Just mm. cool.
1: That's really right? cool.
0: Okay. 8 and 9.
1: 8 and 9. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man that he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
0: Yeah, so God puts man in the garden just like in Genesis 1. And like we talked about at the end of Genesis 1, uh, all that is in the garden is given to us as a gift. Right. And so existence is a gift. We exist only in relation to God because he is existence and he grants existence to beings like us. But it's not just that he lets us exist. It's that he gives us his bounty.
1: Yeah, there, there's flourishing. We talked about that in Genesis yeah. 1. Not that there's just one food for sustenance, but that there's an array uh, a beauty of mm-hmm. food, of vegetation, of animals, of, of landscape. Yeah.
0: And Eden means pleasure. Hmm. So, you know, here we are in paradise. yeah, right in this garden with with all of this goodness, with all of this sustenance, um, it's the hospitality of God. He's prepared this for us because He created us because he loves us. Mm-hmm. So why would he not give to us all that he has and and, and all that he is right right? Uh, Jesus talks to, his, his disciples, and he says, you know, if your son asked you for, for a fish, you wouldn't give him a, a snake, right? Yeah. If, you're, if, if someone you love asked you for food, you wouldn't give him a rock. And he says, and you're evil, <laughs> and you know to do that. So, so think about what God will do for you. Right. And again, the things that Jesus says, these are not things he's just making up on the spot. Uh, this is the second page of the Bible. He was there. Yeah, he was there yeah. creating it, and right. so how? What did God do? He created the world, and he gave it to us. Yeah, all of this, all of this beauty, all this goodness, and in the middle of the garden, there's two trees: the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we get to that symbol aspect again mm-hmm. of our of our her- hermeneutic, where these trees represent something:
1: mm-hmm.
0: tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, so we're going to get to that here here in a moment. Yeah, um, but let's talk. Genesis 2, 10 through 14.
1: A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of the Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gahan. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates.
0: Yeah, so so there's four rivers. Mm-hmm. And rivers, fresh water, living water. Yeah. They call it living water because it moves. Yeah. All right, so if you're ever stranded in the wilderness, hopefully you're yes. not, don't drink...
1: Don't drink still water. Still water. Yes.
0: But if there's moving water in a river, uh, that, that's unpolluted by... Human pollution, you can you can drink that, right? Because it moves, and that and so uh, in in a desert area like the Middle East, rivers are the source of life. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we humans need fresh water to exist, and human civilization, until very recently, yes, when we can technologically take water and move it vast distances, has always existed along fresh water.
1: Yeah, we're still not even really. If you look at a map of Australia, yeah. still to this day, most of it is uninhabited. Why? Because there's no water in the middle of it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, and so, like, you know, even in the U.S., I think that there's like a huge percentage of all of our natural water comes from the Great Lakes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And so, you know, we've technologically been able to take water and transport it
1: and, yeah. and
0: irrigate and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's very new technology. Yeah. Yeah. So human civilization always exists along living water,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, that means that flowing water kind of represents life and flourishing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the the four rivers that flow from Eden, there's four of them because symbolically these rivers flow to the four c- corners of the world. Yeah. Right. So so that when you say like to the four corners of something, that means all over it.
1: Yeah. Because There's no corners on the globe.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, right, right. But but if we're we're in a room right now, yeah. And if I were going to say, you know, cover this whole room, we would say make sure that all four corners of this room are covered, right? Yeah. And so the four rivers that flow out of Eden in Genesis chapter two, they flow to the four corners of the world, and the life that comes from that water goes out into the world in order to bring Mm. the rest of it into life and flourishing. Mm. So according to Genesis one, what are humans supposed to do? What's the task of a human being
1: to take the to take the world, work it, make it better? Yeah. So to yeah. take
0: life, like we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Fill this earth with life yes. and goodness and beauty, yeah. uh, and and so we're supposed to take that garden that's beautiful and bountiful, and we're supposed to cover the whole globe with it. Well, well, in an actual practical sense, how would you do that as humans? Mm. You'd follow the water. Yeah. And so, in Genesis two, you have the the fresh water that is the source of life, that flows out from the throne of God, mm-hmm. Eden, the presence of God, out to all four corners of the globe. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, technically speaking, humans would follow those rivers out. Yeah. Be fruitful, multiply, and and we follow the life of God and do what humans are supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, cover cover the globe with. Life and flourishing and multiplication and further glory that comes from the garden. So, this is important. In the very beginning, from the very beginning, um, life flows from the presence of God. Mm. God Mm. is in Eden. Right. His presence, his manifest presence is in Eden. We are those beings that he comes within and then out of us, his life. Is supposed to be given to the world yes so from eden we're supposed to go out you know along these rivers water of life and to take the the beauty out into the world and so the Tigris and the euphrates uh are in modern day iraq
1: mm-hmm. yeah so we know we, we these know rivers, these, yeah. these
0: rivers the other two <laughs> which is are called the gihon and the pishon are somewhat mysterious in terms of mm-hmm. modern geography um, both of those words in Hebrew mean, like, to gush or, like, to overflow. Hmm. So it's like these bountiful, yeah. overflowing rivers of, of fresh water that that bring life. And so you have four full, gushing rivers flowing from Eden, the presence of God, to all four corners of the globe. And so mm-hmm. life flows from Eden because life flows from God. Yeah you and I, if we got real metaphysical and philosophical, we would say that life flows from God. Yeah. Um, There's an apologetics idea of contingency where the reason that straight up atheism is, is stupid is because all existence is contingent upon something else.
1: Correct, yeah.
0: So if you follow that all the way back, you get into a problem that's called infinite regress because you just say, okay, where did that come from? 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 And eventually you get to the point where you have to say it came from something uncreated. Yeah. Everything, it came from something non-contingent, something that just is. Right. So in apologetics, we Christians say, well, yeah, that's God. Right. He is by definition uncreated. Mm
1: -hmm. He just
0: is. And he grants existence to everything else. And so, if you completely leave behind the biblical story, you would come to the same conclusion that the Bible is, has come to here, which is that life flows from God. Right. He is the non-contingent, uncreated being that gives life. Uh, Paul says that we worship a God who, who makes the dead come alive mm-hmm. and brings into being things that, that we're, we're
1: not. not. Yeah,
0: and so you can see that here. And yeah. so we as Christians, we say no this is literal. Yeah. The the rivers of life that the humans are going to follow out into the world, that's where life comes from, from God, from the throne of God out to all of the world. Um and so, you know, you get in, you get to uh Jesus's sermons and again, he's not making this stuff up. He says if anyone wants to to if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink and you will become. Yes. Yeah rivers of living water
1: and we'll see this imagery again all the way in revelation Mm -hmm. when we see the new city described as well
0: exactly and this is ezekiel's temple vision too um the 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 life of the world flows from god through us
1: right
0: and it's exactly what this story is is describing Right. even just in terms of its geographical description of what the garden mm-hmm. is and what's coming out of it, right? And, and so that to me has always been been very fascinating. Uh, this is what God does because God is life. And so the, the Lord um, will continually guide you, and this is Isaiah 58, satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Mm. that's that's isaiah's promise Mm. and that's what jesus is saying and that's a callback to this right yeah um on the other side of the promised land Mm -hmm. is the dead desert and so um you know i think it's somewhat fruitless to try to to geographically depict where eden was Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but if it's somewhere in that area of the fertile crescent outside of the fertile crescent is you know Non-fertile,
1: absolutely, yeah. it's
0: Desert, it's yeah. dead, and so this story is saying that the God of life wants the waters of life to flow from Him into a world that without Him is dead. Yeah, and we, as the humans, are the ones who go along those rivers and and bring that water of life to to the world mm-hmm. and to all creation and to all beings, and we take it from glory to to further glory, and so you know, you and I get the life of God. And we become the life of God. We get His water, and we become His water, and then we become a bringer of that water to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, God's water heals and brings life. Yeah that's what the Bible is going to I mean, that's where it starts here, and that's what it's going to go on to depict. In Ezekiel 47, the river flows from the temple east, and east of where the temple is, in Jerusalem, is the Dead Sea. Mm. It's dead. No life until the water of God touches it, and then plants and animals and life happens where where the the water of God touches. And uh, same thing in Revelation twenty two was what you said, right? There's, yeah. there's a river that flows down the middle of the street. It says it's clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of mm-hmm. the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree the healing of the nations yes the healing of the world the life that is brought from god heals the world Mm -hmm. and here before the fall the life that comes from the water of god brings life to the world yeah and who's supposed to take it there
1: us us it's our job
0: because the manifest presence of the god of life comes into us and shines out of us Mm -hmm. He opens our nostrils and breathes his life into us, mm. and that, and and so we're, we then take that life, and we we bring it to the world, and so that's true in in the restored new earth and the new Jerusalem. Mm. The river of God brings about the tree of life, which we're going to talk about, and what this water touches, restoration and healing and flourishing happens, and so this is the vision that Genesis chapter two begins with. Yeah, the river. The presence of God, which is manifest in his images, flows out of Eden to the whole world.
1: Yeah. I I think sometimes we have the idea that Eden was just a place to, and certainly it was paradise, but just a place to like do nothing. Right. But if you read this, it's very clear. It's like the beautiful start of like the dream job, right? Like the dream journey. Like this is like a beautiful work set before us but it is work mm-hmm. absolutely we've got a job to do
0: yeah there's sometimes we make the mistake and we think that that before the fall sabbath was the eternal state yeah right so you rest and you enjoy god on the seventh day and then once we fall well now that's ruined and now we have
1: to now go we gotta, and now do we stuff. have tasks
0: now we have tasks but that's not true yeah right the, the it never says that the world was perfect uh, it's perfect in the sense that we we have union with God
1: but not perfect in the sense that there was nothing to do yeah
0: right not perfect in the sense that it's all that it should be yeah and all that it might be. yeah and so in a way he he creates the world and then he sets something up mm-hmm. right and in the setup is then that that we're, we as his images are supposed to complete yeah creation be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, take this good world and, and, and make it even better yeah
1: and how gracious of us or of him to partner with us to do so to give us that that participation in creation like that
0: yeah you know if you if you have a job and you make a decent salary uh, but you don't really have an important task mm-hmm. you just kind of go to work you show up you turn the computer on, you type a few things every day click a few things send a few emails. Most people think that they want something easy like that, mm-hmm. and if you get into it long enough, they, they will quit. It's because yeah. they don't have anything real to do. There's no purpose. There's no purpose in that, right? And so, you know, that's how we are, and God knows how we are. Mm-hmm. And so he created us to, to take this world and make something of it. He gave yeah. us a task, a purpose that is beyond comprehension, that you and I, I mean, think about how we are think about all the ways that we know that we kind of fall short and that that we're not infinite and we can't touch everything but what is in front of us we're supposed to touch yeah and we're supposed to change mm-hmm. and we're supposed to bring the glory of God into that and so you know i mean i'm i'm pretty passionate about this because especially amongst young men there's a meaning crisis in our world mm. and some of that has to do with with our technological advances you know a lot of the things that we used to do until very recently, that brought goodness into the world, that gave people a purpose that's been replaced yeah. from, from a technological aspect. And so there's a lot of people that, that don't feel like they have a purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. And um, the Bible speaks very prophetically against that, mm-hmm. that from the very beginning, not only do you have a task, but the task that you have is beyond important in terms of your comprehension of it. That you, as a human being, have the task of glorifying God's world, yeah, bringing His presence into the world, and that's a beautiful thing. And and, and you said it really well. It's gracious of Him
1: to, to invite us, us into that. Yeah,
0: you know, if your if you get a promotion, uh, there there was there was this study that came out. This is fascinating. Many people will take a title increase and an increase of responsibility, even if it doesn't mean an increase in pay.
1: Hmm. So Just the, to have that title. To
0: have the title and to have the purpose. The
1: purpose. Yeah.
0: Right. So it's like, hey, you know, we can't actually pay you more, but you're going to be in charge of more people and you're going to have higher visibility and you've got more work to do. And yeah, you have yeah. more work to do. And your job's more important. Yeah. Most of us think that we wouldn't take that because we we want to make sure that we're being compensated and that there's fairness and all that's good. But most of us actually would take that according to statistics yeah. because purpose is that important in, in our life.
1: But it makes so much sense as to why um, there's such a crisis happening because it, purpose is so central to Genesis 2. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the further away we get from that purpose, it's so clear how, like, devastating that is on our souls. Yes. And that's what we see.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that um, a lot of the, the world promises us purpose. Yeah. So you think of some of the movements that happen apart from God, you know, secular progressivism. One of the reasons that that's tempting for people is because it's something that's bigger than you. Yeah. You're fighting for something. You're fighting for something more. Mm -hmm. And we are addicted to that because that's how we're created. Yeah. We're created for something bigger than ourselves. We're created to have that purpose that transcends us. And uh, the, the important thing for us to remember, and this is why the Bible is so important for us to internalize, is that the only way that that purpose can ever truly be fulfilled is when it is connected to God. Yeah. Because it all flows from Eden. Yeah. It flows from God. If you try to disconnect Eden from what's coming out of it, uh, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? So, so Western secularism tries to take the fruit of the kingdom take the king away and let's just keep doing a lot of the things that do
1: some of the good tasks that
0: are connected to him but not him yeah. because either he's not real or it's bad right. to do organized religion or whatever and we'll see how long that lasts yeah you know i'm not very optimistic about that i mm-hmm. think that we will quickly descend into something bad because we're trying so hard to disconnect ourselves from god but we want to keep a lot of the stuff that that flows directly from him
1: yeah absolutely
0: and according to the bobby can't do it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So the most important thing to remember here is that you do have a purpose. The purpose is to take the glorious powers that God has given you, Mm -hmm. to take the glory that he's breathed into you, his presence as an image, and then to glorify the world with it. He wants to move in this world through you. Uh, But only him, right? right? Not you and yourself and your own desires and your own, you know, thoughts of who you are and identity and what's important to you. Not that. Yeah. That's not what this is saying. What this is yeah. saying is that in God, we have limitless purpose.
1: And we bristle at that. We don't like not being in control.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and we don't like submission.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. But what we're going to see with the trees is part of what is required of, of us is that we submit mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. We obey him. Mm-hmm. And that we live the life that he's given us to live, and that we do the tasks that he's given us to do the way that he wants us to do them. Yeah. Because he's the creator of all of this.
1: And because he created us in love, he didn't create us to make us do something that would be bad for us. Right. Right. He's not got some grand plan to ruin our lives. He's got the exact opposite, actually, for our flourishing.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, we're gonna get to this next episode when we stop here. But he's going to give them a very specific command about which tree they're not supposed Mm -hmm. to eat from, and he's going to tell them why. And the reason that he tells them not to eat from this tree is not usually the reason that you and I think about off the top of our heads Mm. when we think about this story. Um, But it actually makes total sense in in conjunction with the rest of the story. So we'll we'll pick up in uh, verse 15 uh, next time. Next time. Which will be released this week. Yeah. So if, if this is interesting to you and you want to see, like, what's, what happens yeah. next, uh, then once, you know, this uh, jazzy outro music plays, <laughs> then just click on the next episode <laughs> yeah. and, and we'll be back and, and we'll be talking about the rest of, of Genesis 2, right? Yeah. Anything else before we get going?
1: No, I'm excited.
0: All right, well, we will see you guys next time on Story Symbol Spirit.